Welcome to The Rate Debate, a lively discussion from the champions of Australian fixed income, featuring Darren Langer and Chris Rands from Nico Asset Management. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Rate Debate. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Darren Langer, Head of Fixed Income at Nico Asset Management, and joining me in the virtual fixed income bunker this week is co-portfolio manager Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. It's the first Tuesday of October, and that means the RBA has just met. And as was widely expected, uh, they decided to do nothing, which, uh, <laughs> as we've been joking uh, recently, seems to be their main mode of operation. But um, it is interesting, Chris, that uh, you know, despite um, having seen no need to uh, do much for the last couple of meetings, the wording in their statements the last couple of months is changing and it seems like more and more they're getting to a stage where they might want to ease. What do you think um, has changed now compared with the past six months and why do you think they've been waiting? Yeah, so it's it's hard to tell, I guess, why they've been waiting, but the some of the language that they started using over the past month did imply that there is a shift coming. So a big part of what caused the market to start forecasting it was some language used by Guy DeBell, where he said that given the outlook for inflation and employment is not consistent with the bank's objectives, the board continues to assess other policy options. So that language of them saying, we're not going to hit our target, what else can we do, kicked the market off in forecasting what could come. For me, though, it's, it's certainly not the economic data. Most of the data that we've seen looks better, which does raise the question then of what is the thing that is causing them? And I kind of scratched my head and came up with three things that could be the answer. The first of those was that JobKeeper and JobSeeker are being reduced this month. Uh, so from this point on, perhaps the outlook for the economy gets a little bit worse, although given we're starting to see Victoria open up a little bit, it's hard to, to really see how that would be true. The second thing that I kind of thought could be causing them is the the lockdown in Victoria, whether or not that knocked over their forecasts. But again, why would they add stimulus just as they're starting to open when they've been locked down for the, essentially the past three months? And then the third one was that they released some research on quantitative easing state saying that it worked. And so some of that research did imply that they've got more policy to use than they say. But overall, you look at it and, and you kind of really wonder, well, if this is what you're looking at, what has the last six months have been about? Yeah, I mean, a lot has been made around that they're waiting to see what comes out in the budget tonight. Um, we can only speculate that ourselves. But, you know, fiscal policy on its own offshore hasn't been sufficient without central bank intervention. So it makes it hard to understand why the RBA thinks that, again, our government is likely to do more than um, governments offshore or that, um, you know, the combination of fiscal and monetary policy haven't are not as necessary here as what they were offshore. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem to be any reason why the rhetoric should change. But, you know, it definitely, there seems to be more and more views out there that it definitely has changed. Yeah. And I, like I would say, it's a little bit frustrating from our perspective because, you know, when we look at the economic data, when we look at what's going off on offshore and the research that they talk about QE, a lot of that did say they should have been easing quite a lot earlier because the, the research does say it works. And so for them to come out now and say, well, hang on a second, unconventional policy does work and that's why we've changed our mind, you, you do kind of just wonder, well, 
if you are going to be missing your inflation and employment objectives, does it really matter what's in the fiscal policy, what the budget says? Because at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to shift the narrative enough for them to say, okay, well, now we're forecasting 2.5% inflation, which just means, again, you fall back to this idea of, well, if you've got the policy tool, what, what is it about this tool that you don't want to use it? Sure. I mean, the, the consensus offshore is go go hard and go early. Um, the RBA seems to have gone soft and uh, very, very late. We have seen some of their research um, starting to say that perhaps, um, you know, as you say, some of the um, alternative policies are more effective. I mean, what, what's that research been saying, Chris? Yeah, so they released a bulletin, which is some research done by the RBA uh, about three weeks ago now. And most of what that said is that it works. So I have a few quotes here of what they said. And in the very introduction, they say, by lowering interest rates that are typically affected indirectly through changes in the cash rate, unconventional policies can stimulate economic activity through many of the same channels as conventional monetary policy. So in the very opening, they are essentially saying unconventional monetary policy works the same way that normal uh, cash rate cuts would. And then if you kind of read through the rest of that research, what they end up saying is that uh, they consider in their Martin model, which is the model that they run on the economy, that if they could get interest rates down by 50 basis points, that it would have a similar effect on GDP after three years to a 60 basis point cut to the cash rate. So, you know, I read this and what I see is that the RBA is saying, if we could just lower yields by 50 basis points, we have three additional cash rate cuts sitting in our back pocket. Now, to me, when I look at where we are in the economy, if the cash rate was sitting at 1%, I think it's a no-brainer that they would cut it down to 0.25. And in fact, that's what they did. So for this research to say, if they can get rates lower, it's like doing three cash rate cuts. I think it does then say, again, well, what are you waiting for? What is it about this policy that internally you do not like so much? Yeah, I, I must admit, you know, if you think back to sort of what happened in the early 90s in the last recession, we had employment above 6%, uh, sorry, unemployment above 6%. We had, um, you know, housing prices coming off. Um, we had a lot of, um, you know, fairly un, sort of acceptable, um, I guess, levels in economies that are, you know, unpalatable to politicians in particular. But, you know, we, we've very much sort of forecasting exactly those conditions uh, and the RBA has been forecasting that now for some time. And yet, you know, the data is a little bit better, but it's still... Um, more, it's not as bad as we expected, but it's still bad. Um, and yet we, we still see a lack of um, willingness for the RBA to act. I mean, you know, what in the data has to change for them to do something, do you think? Yeah, that's a tough one because I think the data has been more positive than probably we expected and probably than the market was forecasting then when we went into this mess. So, you know, a couple of good examples of just how hard this is to forecast at the moment. The data is a little bit all over the place. So corporate profits last month came out and they were up 15% for the quarter, which is just one of those things where you kind of scratch your head and you say, you know, what the hell was going on here? And then when you dig into the figures, what it is, is that it was accounting for the JobKeeper payments that were coming through as well. So there was a bit of a benefit on the corporate side because you're getting your you're getting your profits and not paying your employees, which makes the data somewhat hard to read. Positively though, for the RBA, I think the unemployment rate probably will be lower than they ended up forecasting 
even over the past few months. So they had said along with the treasury that it would probably end up at about 10% and it's already snapped back below seven. So, you know, our view is that there's still, I guess, some, some of these JobKeeper people to potentially lose their job as the government stops paying their wages, but I don't think that's going to be enough to take you up to 10% unemployment. So for the RBA, at least the data has been getting better, which again, I guess comes back to kind of why this is so confusing. If the data is better than what you expected over the past six months, why the urgency now? But yeah, just to I- kind of finish that last point is that in that research that they put out is the one point that they did make is that the unconventional policies work a little bit differently to a conventional policy in that a lot of the benefit comes through the exchange rate. So perhaps part of the reason that they've had to come forward with this thinking is that the exchange rate is starting to rise. And if the benefit is the exchange rate, then they need to try and get it down again. Yeah, I, I still look at the the outright numbers, and yes, seven percent is better than ten percent, but seven percent is still pretty ordinary um, in, in the context of uh, we now believe that you know the natural rate of unemployment is is probably well below five and probably well below four and a half. So we're a long way away from um, a level where employment is likely to cause inflation. So again, you keep coming back to what's the RBA actually trying to do uh one you know they're supposed to keep inflation stable well um there's nothing to stop that from happening they're supposed to get full employment well uh by their own definition we're a long way away from that so i still sort of keep coming back to the fact that if growth is also going to be low they're they're still missing every single one of their targets and yet they still sit back and say they don't need to do anything it's just very very confusing yeah, and no, I, I guess that feeds into what has been perceived as a, a dovish statement getting slipped into what they said today. So partly what they said today when they finished their statement is that the board views addressing the high rate of unemployment as an important national priority. And so in my time in the market, I've never seen them describe anything like that as an important national priority. So, you know, if we do see the unemployment rate get sticky around these levels, I think it is safe to say that eventually they're going to do something. It's again, comes back to this idea that we've probably constantly talked about is just when is it coming? So from that perspective, you know, the market kind of felt that they waited this month for the budget, let the budget get out of the way and then do something. So, you know, does this look like then that they're they're teeing something up for next month? We can only hope because, uh, you know, as I said, their, their charter says they, they're supposed to aim for full employment and, and yet again, they're, they're a long way away from that. So, uh, you know, I, I really do wonder what they're waiting for. Um, but we can't, can't keep uh, hammering away on that point. Um, I think it's pretty obvious to our listeners that we, we think they're uh, a little bit behind uh, the ball on that sort of things. So given, um, you know, we're not really seeing um, sort of any sort of, I mean, not positive economic data, but we're seeing better economic data. You know, what do you think is likely to um, come out in the budget tonight that might change the RBA's view of how much they need to do? Yeah. So my view is, I guess, a little bit mixed on this, essentially from the perspective of, I don't really foresee anything big enough coming from the government tonight that would really change my view drastically of just how long it's going to take for inflation and unemployment to come back. Sure, it might speed it up, but you know, to, to rebound from something as disruptive as this normally takes years, it doesn't take months. So, you know, when I look at what's coming, when they're talking about, you know, tax cuts, pulling forward what was already planned, you know, 
potentially adding a bit more infrastructure spending and those types of things. Yes, it's definitely going to help the data. Yes, it's going to be viewed as positive. But is that enough for us to say that, you know, we should be forecasting full employment sometimes in the next 12 months? I don't think that there's anything really in the budget that would that would have me thinking that unless they were just going to spend, you know, money's well in excess of what the market is forecasting at the moment. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, the government um, is probably ideologically against doing too much stimulus um, and they've probably had to um, go a little bit harder into areas where they normally wouldn't like to venture. It is interesting that they're talking about bringing tax cuts forward because that's likely to make the, um, the budget balance a lot worse than what we expect. Do you think, you know, given Australia is still one of the few sort of AAA rated company, uh, countries left, is that likely to be the final straw, do you think, uh, to, the, to the rating agencies finally downgrading Australia? When... When we spoke to the rating agencies, uh, you know, a few a few months ago, it, it didn't seem like that was coming relatively soon. I mean, the warnings that they've been giving the Australian government for some time now has been saying, if you spend too much, you will get downgraded. But I think the fact that everybody is in this position globally says that they're a little bit reluctant and perhaps going to keep it there longer than we expected. But, you know, my feeling would be that this, this budget spending that they're going to do isn't going to repair itself this quickly. And so while it probably won't be a story for the next six to 12 months, once we start kind of rolling forward, you know, a year or two, that's when when there'll be a sober look at the finances and perhaps you say, okay, well, maybe it's not a AAA anymore. Maybe it needs to be started to notch down. So given that we're following on then with the with the governments and, and, and those types of things, maybe you can give an opinion of perhaps what Trump's recent illness with COVID would mean for markets. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, um, you know, it's, it's not like Trump to create chaos in uh, markets and, and across the globe, but he, he's managed to find yet another way to, uh, to sort of interject himself into something. It's interesting from a couple of points of view in that, you know, the way the US electoral system works, um, effectively their uh, polling is already open. They're able to cast mail ballots and the like. So effectively, the, the ticket's already named. So if something was to happen to Donald Trump, you know, he's still going to be on the ticket um, heading into into the actual election. Apparently, that's never happened in, in US markets before. So whether there's any legal ramifications to come out of that, still unknown. From my point of view, it's important for another reason in that he has been very um, negative, I guess, on, on talking about anything to do with the virus and the impacts on it. So if he is able to sort of come through this relatively unscathed, it probably um, lifts his support base a little bit and maybe changes the balance a little bit backwards, uh, sorry, back towards him away from Biden again. I think the market is already starting to price in a Biden victory based on on the um, polls, but it, it may actually uh, lift Trump's, um, you know, ratings again. Um, what what do you think? Yeah, so I, I would say uh, my view of you know this illness and what's going on from a market's perspective is probably a bit more benign. So. Going into this, I kind of actually already thought that the the Democrats would be ahead in this election. And the fact that he's got ill, I think, makes that potential outcome probably a little bit more likely that they're going to be ahead. So the, the thinking behind that was really that, in my opinion, there's three things sitting here that would probably normally derail anyone's kind of election odds. So you've got a health crisis where obviously a million people are sick. You've had protests coming across America, you know, in quite 
visible fashion across the world and you've had a huge spike in unemployment and, and drop in uh, GDP. And so normally if you were to look at any one of those things, I, I would be thinking that it's the, um, the other party that probably starts pulling ahead in that sort of type of situation. So this to me just felt like one more thing of potentially moving it into the Democrats' favour. So from an overall perspective, I kind of understood why those kind of tail outcomes where you get something a little bit more crazy could come forward. But then again, the more likely outcome probably rose in odds that there's a Democrat win and that the market moves on happily because they get a spending bill that they wanted. That's just my feeling. And it's probably a bit more benign than others, but the market certainly hasn't reacted that way. Yeah, no, the market uh, seems to have reacted quite positively to uh, the rumours of him leaving hospital. Um, At this stage, I I don't think that's actually been confirmed, but um, you know, it, it certainly uh, um, seems to be more um, a, a positive outcome rather than the negative of him um, going into hospital in the first place, which is just quite an interesting outcome. But obviously it's just something that throws um, a bit of a, a spanner into markets at the moment that perhaps wouldn't have otherwise been there. Yeah, which seems to be his specialty, I think, of, you know, finding things at the exact right time to to, to cause a bit of turmoil. And, you know, obviously with that as well, there's been a bit of a bond market sell-off on on some of these ideas that there's going to be a big spending package coming. And maybe that's true. But again, as you kind of say, it's it's just another kind of thing to worry about as we come into elections, which obviously there's going to be a lot of coverage of. Sure. No, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on. So pretty much just to wrap up then um, for this month, the RBA uh, left rates on hold, which wasn't unexpected. Um, we have the budget to come, which will give us a little bit more um, picture of what fiscal policy is likely to come. And we think that will help shape um, the RBA's thinking over the next couple of months. Um, they're due to release their uh, um, November um, economic outlook um, soon, um, certainly before the next meeting, and that also will give us a bit more information about what's likely to happen. Our view is still that they're likely to cut interest rates or, or do some form of policy at, at the next meeting, but um, obviously the outcome of the, the budget may change some of that. So don't forget to reach out to us if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on air. To get in touch with us, you can email us at the ratedebate at nicoam.com. Our latest insight piece, Can Bonds Protect Against an Equity Market Sell-Off, is available on our website at nicoam.com.au. So tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA's October rate decision and provide an update on what's been happening in markets. Until then, stay safe. This podcast was prepared by Nico AM Limited, ABN 9900337625256253, AFSL number 237563. It is of a general nature only and does not constitute personal advice or an offer of any financial product. It does not take into account the objectives of financial situation or needs of any individual. Any references to particular securities or sectors are for illustrative purposes only and this is not a recommendation. Any economic or market forecasts are not guaranteed.